Welcome to Practically Fit, Real Fitness Over 40. I'm Alex Johnson. And I'm Jen Chamberlain. And today we're going to be talking about recovering from injury. That's the topic we've chosen this week. As always, we're going to take a topic that we think is of interest to people who are over 40 and who are into fitness or trying to get into fitness and look at the research and deconstruct it. So today we're going to talk about what are the chances of me getting injured as I age? We're going to talk about some of the actual injuries we've had and and what we've done for recovery. Uh, And we'll talk about some concepts that you can think about if you find yourself in the situation where you're recovering from an injury. So let's go ahead and dive in. So the first thing we wanted to talk about today was just like, what are the actual chances of me getting injured, me or you or anyone, as we age? And so... um, We've done some research on it. Um, there, there is a bit of research out there on this on this subject, and the bad news is, as we age, the chances for injury increase. So, love starting the podcast with bad news, right? But, but we're just being realistic. Uh, so, uh, we found uh, an, uh, actually some scholarly scholarly research done by a couple of uh, guys named Jeffrey W. Prescott and Joseph Yu. Uh, and it was on aging athletes, and this interesting, interestingly, what they termed the concept boomeritis. So boomeritis, what yeah. is this? Is this a disease? Yeah. It sounds really well. I, I think they did this study in the '90s, maybe, but it, it was kind of oh. interesting that they used that term because now that term boomer has come back and, and been more popular. Uh, but boomeritis is really a reference to the baby boomer generation. And this idea that they've been the first generation to really prioritize fitness as they're aging. So looking at that age group, okay, when they did the study, you know, what's going on with their bodies and what could happen in terms of injury. So they actually divide this into two articles. Uh, one was on the lower body and one was on the upper body. So it's, it's really fascinating, kind of sobering info. Uh, but there were a lot of good facts that we were able to pull out of this research. So the first one is that peak performance starts to decline at age 35, um, which a lot of folks know if you're into sports or things like that. Uh, baseball is one that stands out to me where they always talk about the athletes starting to decline. Their hitting drops off at that age. Um, so you, you see that peak performance start to decline at age 35, and then modest declines through age 50, age 60, and that's when you get more drastic declines in terms of your athletic performance. Yeah, Alex, I wanted to jump in just um, right here for a second. This goes along with what I was reading in that book by Jen Gunter that I referenced a couple of episodes ago. And for women, you know, unfortunately, when we hit menopause, it actually accelerates uh, for a while, uh, the fitness decline, and then goes back to trend. Uh, once you kind of get through that process. So I think a lot of these concepts even more important for women. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think in line with that research, we discussed it on the on the last podcast was that you lose 15% of your muscle mass between ages 30 and 60, according to the research. And then after 60, another 30%. So that was wow. another interesting fact. Yeah. And it's so we think about it, oh, we're working out, we're building muscle. Well, you're, you're actively losing muscle from right. ages 30 on. Mm-hmm. Uh, another fact from the research, your tendons get stiffer. And again, they go deep into the science of what this act, what's actually happening. I'm just <laughs> paraphrasing oh. because it was super complicated. But Oh, wait, so that, ten- that's not just my imagination because I definitely <laughs> experienced it and I thought maybe it's because yeah. I don't stretch anymore. <laughs> no, your tendons are getting stiffer and less oh, flexible as, you're, as you age. So that can, you know, great heighten the risk for injury around tendons. Uh, another big one, 
bone loss. So that can occur as you age, which results in weakening of bone, particularly pronounced with women. Um, so the research states that menopause reduces the amount of estrogen circulating in your system, which affects that bone chemistry and the density. Yes, that's it exactly. So um, kind of similar to muscle mass, you build bone as a woman when you're in your younger years, and then you begin this process of decline, and it really is um, accelerated during menopause. Right, right. So those are some of the facts pulled out of the research in terms of what's going on in your body with your athletic performance, with your muscles, with your tendons, with your bones as you age. Of course, everything is going downhill a bit, uh, especially as you get over 60. With that, the researchers looked at some of the most common injuries as you age. So I thought these were really interesting, and there's several of them that can be more common as you're aging. Uh, the first one is muscle strains. Uh, particularly, they called out your lower leg, your calf muscles, easier to strain muscles there. They talked about shin splints, which, again, if you've been a runner, that may be something that you've uh, experienced. I don't know, Jen, have you ever had shin splints from running? Only at the very beginning. I've been really fortunate not to have too much trouble with that. Yeah, that's good. Some people get those and it's really hard to get rid of it. So another thing that they called out was stress fractures in the lower body, particularly in the legs and the feet. Again, not to pick on running. You know, I, I love doing that. But <laughs> it's, <laughs> yes, you uh, do. Yeah. For those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm a cyclist. Uh, but it's very <laughs> common in runners to have those types of stress fractures. Mm-hmm. Other injuries they called out, this one is not one I would want to have uh, Achilles tendon tears. So right. if you're if you're you know over 40, over 50, you're playing basketball, you're playing tennis, you're running, there's a chance that you could you could have this injury. That one sounds less likely, but again, as the research shows, those tendons are getting getting less limber as you get older. Uh, plantar fasciitis. Uh, I always see com- commercials on TV about plantar fasciitis. Uh, I just know it's with the arch in your foot. It's not pleasant. Definitely one you want to avoid. Oh, that's a fun one. I've had that one. It takes you've a had really that. Long what was your experience have, with that? Yeah. Again, this was kind of early uh, when I first started running, and I was wearing really shoes that weren't appropriate for me, and I had a good long bout of plantar fasciitis. The thing that sucks about it is that you have to completely stop running to recover from it. It's just really annoying for a runner. You can't you, know. you can't just put inserts into your shoes because no. that's what I saw on TV. Oh, no, okay. I no, yeah, I'm sure they'd love to sell you those, but no, you got to take a complete break. It really it's hard. Oh, wow. Um, other injuries, uh, and this one, you know, I've felt this one a bit in my my right shoulder is that loss of shoulder mobility. People may tear their rotator cuff, so the shoulder is one of is I think the most complex joint in your body, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's one where um, you're more likely to have injuries. Tennis and or golfer's elbow. So <laughs> I think tennis is on the outside and golfers is on the inside, right? Have you? Have you I had have not had those? this, but I have several friends who've ha- who've had this injury that neither play tennis nor golf. So apparently it is very common. Right. I had some of the golfer's elbow going on and it was because it was when I was obsessively doing pull-ups. <laughs> so oh, something about yeah. that was really irritating the inside of my elbow. And I was like you said, with the plantar fasciitis, I just had to stop with the pull-ups right. for a while to get it to go away. Uh, a couple more that they noted biceps tears, which would, Ouch. yeah, yeah. That one though is more as for aging weightlifters, they mentioned mm. that that could happen. And then the wrists, which may not be one that everyone thinks about. Of course, you know, with sitting at a computer all day for many folks working, 
um, that, that wrist pain or wrist mobility can be a problem as you age. So those were some of the major injuries that they called out, uh, that were common for people as you get over 35, 40 into your fifties and sixties. Uh, wow. I thought that I thought that was fascinating research. So wanted to wanted to bring that out on the podcast. Um, that is a, that's really sobering, Alex. I had no idea that there were specific types of injuries that were more common as you age. You know, I knew sort of the lack of performance piece of it, but not the specifics. So yeah, really enlightening. But you know, Alex, you've had some recent experience with injury. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. And um, kind of how you work through that process. So tell me, first of all, what happened? Yeah. So, and so when I was reading the research, the, the bone loss thing got to me because that's, I, I actually broke a bone about three months ago. I broke my fibula in my left leg, right? Just right above the ankle. So it's, I kind of struggle with describing it to people because at first I was saying, well, I broke my ankle, but then it's not really my ankle. It's, it's the bone coming. So right. it's confusing. But, um, basically what happened was I was, I was playing with, the kids <laughs> just in the backyard. Uh, I was playing soccer or as they call it in England football, because that's where we were. And, uh, I was being silly, just like you know, normal dad stuff, just dribbling right. the soccer balls, trying to dribble around the kids. And, uh, my foot got caught in the grass and it just kind of got stuck underneath me and just made a horrible sound. Oh. <laughs> it was, oh. yeah. So I was like on the ground, you know, wow. in pain. And, uh, my, my stepson ran inside and was like, Alex broke his leg. And they're like, oh what? God. No, he didn't. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so oh, yeah, so it was, it was, uh, it wasn't the, the most fun thing, uh, to have while you're on, on vacation. And so I went to the hospital there where I was in England and, um, I, it was interesting because, they didn't, they didn't end up doing surgery. They felt like it was, um, in place. It wasn't moving. Um, fibula only whole, you know, is responsible for like, I think it's something like 18% of bearing your body weight. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So they, so I had a hard cast for like five days. They ended up putting me into a, a walking boot mm-hmm. uh, and they sent me home walking on it, which was interesting because I came back and waited like four weeks I had called a I finally found a specialist it was it's really weird to even find a doctor for this specific injury because it's not necessarily your ankle but it's it's not you know and I hadn't had surgery so it it was really more like just somebody to monitor it and you know I finally found a person who was more of a foot and ankle specialist. And it was funny because they said, Oh, I would have done surgery on this, but you're fine. Oh. <laughs> so honestly, I'm glad I was in England because I think they're a little more, uh, there. Th- I think that in the U S we tend toward surgery for everything. Yes, right. Yes. And uh-huh. so maybe in Europe, there's a bit of a difference with the way they treat these things. So I was really actually glad that I wasn't here at that point, but he did make me stay off of it for two weeks. He was really mortified that I had been walking on this injury for like four weeks. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So, um, it might've affected the healing a bit. So I stayed off mm. of it. Once, once that was over, the healing was better and they let me walk on it for a few weeks. Then I moved to an ankle brace and now I am finally walking without any sort of brace. And I'm just now getting back into exercise. I think I said on the last podcast, I, I finally got on the bike. So, uh, wow. super excited, but it was, it was an interesting experience because of the differences of what the doctors were saying there and here. Um, and, uh, I'm just glad, glad that it wasn't worse. <laughs> yeah. So how long total were you sidelined from um, your regular activity? 
from regular activity, really, so I was probably sidelined about two months completely from activity. Um, mm-hmm. After I was able to start walking in the boot again, I did start doing like some upper body mm-hmm. uh, workouts. I wrote about this on the newsletter. <laughs> like I, right. I actually have, it's been kind of fun because I've just done nothing but upper body weights and I would do that like three times a week. Uh, and then I was able to swim a bit as well because you don't put weight on it. So that was good because you're, if you don't use your leg for like two months, the muscle just becomes this kind right. of like gooey <laughs> Right. mass oh. of nothing. It was really weird uh, looking at my wow. leg, but yeah. Um, so I was able to do that after about two months. And then um, now, at, you know, over three months in moving back to normal activity, which is, has been, it's a challenge. <laughs> right. So what was your mindset over the course of that? Was it frustrating? Uh, oh, what yeah. was that like? Yeah, uh, it was, it was really hard. So I really had to focus on staying positive. Um mm-hmm. When you've got an injury like that and you're an active person, you're you're just frustrated because you go from pretty much doing something every day, even if it's as simple as going for a walk or a hike or riding your bike or doing a strength workout or whatever, yoga, to doing nothing and just sitting and feeling like you're helpless for several weeks mm-hmm. and people have to help you with everything. It's hard to take showers. So you, wow. you really have to, like, you have to focus on positivity, but... Um, you can't do that a hundred percent of the time. So I had, I had some struggles during, during, during this time from a mindset perspective where I would get frustrated or down about how I was feeling. So it can be really rough when you, you injure yourself. And I think as you age, this gets worse, right? Like, um, it, you know, you have a feeling when you're young, like, oh, I can just bounce back really quickly right. when something like this. So yeah, it was, it was a little tough. Um, well, the, but- uh, the other thing for me is that I find exercise really helps me uh, modulate my mood. So that right. would be a really hard part of it too. It's just the actual cardio physical exercise improves my mood. So that would, that would be tough too for me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. My, my, uh, and for me, my blood pressure, like keeping mm, that right. close. And I feel like, Ooh, and sure enough, my blood pressure crept up a little bit higher than where it had been. Wow. Sure enough, my, I had gone for my annual physical. My cholesterol was just a little bit high, but my doctor thought, wow. Oh, it's because you're not active right now. So yeah, it can have a big impact. Um, on you from a, a health perspective as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's enough about my injury. Let's, let's talk about you. What are some of your worst or your worst injuries? Oh, okay. Well, first of all, I have to say I've been incredibly fortunate because I've been running for, I guess, two decades now, and I've been so lucky that I haven't had any really major injuries. And I, I want to say too, that, you know, running does not ruin your knees, despite what <laughs> anyone tells you, it doesn't have to, you know, I've, there's actual science about that. And a couple of doctors have told me that as well, that, you know, really being sedentary is just as, um, is just as harmful in terms of arthritis and that sort of thing as running is. That aside, I did have, I've had a few injuries. And I think the most frustrating one for me, because it was so ridiculously small, but put me out for so long was I had metatarsalgia in one of my toes, my middle toe. Um, this so weird. what is that? I have never heard of that. <laughs> oh, no, neither had I before it happened. So I had this feeling on the bottom of my foot, like there was sort of a stone in my shoe or something like that oh, wow. persistent over a long time. Finally, being a stubborn person, I just kept running through it. 
the insidious thing about running injuries is a lot of times you can run through them. So they might yeah. hurt at the beginning of the run, but as you go on, the pain kind of goes away. You might feel it again the next day. So that was, that was the pattern of this injury completely. But finally, it was nagging enough that I went to a doctor and uh, had an x-ray and was diagnosed with metatarsalgia, which is basically inflammation of the um, metatarsal, which is the scientific name for your toe. And this was yeah. underneath, like sort of at the very base of my toe. So teeny, like little small digit that put me out for really, I think it was four months, Alex. Wow. Then that I would, I would lose it or something like that. <laughs> something that is so seemingly small and you're, you're having to be inactive for four months. Wow. That, that's that must what have been was frustrating. so frustrating. Cause it's so small and, but it was, there was no other way it was going to go away except for me to just completely stop running for four months. I went to physical therapy twice a week during that period. And they did a combination of, um, massage ice and this kind of, um, electromagnetic thing that they put on your uh, put on your joint that helps the healing process so um, there was that and then I could do some cycling which you know how much yeah. I love cycling <laughs> that didn't get you into the to, to being team cyclist no it did not it did not convert me but I, I had to it was the only thing I could do really that was active uh, and actually I think I I did a, my first and only road ride with a friend of mine yeah. during that time. And that was fun. That was different. But um, it was just really frustrating because I love to run. And I was really at that point, this was about 10 years ago, I had really gotten into running. I was so gung ho about, you know, running races and had all of these plans that were just completely sidelined because of this little small middle toe. And I was just, I wanted to give the middle finger to my middle toe every day. When I woke wow. up. <laughs> Well, uh, that, yeah, that's an interesting one. Any other injuries that stand out or is that, is that kind of the one for you that really, that was really the one I, I do have a couple more comments about this though. First of all, I should have realized there was something wrong. This again, goes back to shoes. Shoes for a runner are incredibly important more so than you might think. So I was, I had this pair of Nike freeze. This was during the time when minimalist running was kind of in vogue. Oh. So I had these, they're very slipper, like super soft. They were pink. I had a monogrammed. I loved this pair of shoes inordinately. I, I just really adored these shoes. And I kept running in them even well past their probably usefulness. Um, and that was that was kind of what led to the injury. I should have known, though, because there was a huge gash in the side of the shoe. And I kept running in it. <laughs> I think 10 out of 12 podiatrists agree those are not good running shoes. <laughs> The, not as bad as the ones that had like the individual toe holes in them that were no. just like wearing a piece of cloth around your foot. But that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Minimalist yeah. Running shoes. It's just, I, I mean, I still, I do, I agree with some of the um, philosophy of that, but it just didn't have enough padding. And then even whatever there was to begin with, I had worn them so far past their usefulness that there was just, right. so, so I should have seen that coming a little bit more. And I think a couple of my takeaways from that injury were, you know, if, if there's something, if something seems not right, there's probably something wrong. Like, don't just ignore it and keep thinking, oh, it'll go away, which I have, a, I have a tendency towards this, you know, yeah. I, I also have asthma yeah. and I've battled with that uh, pretty much my adult life. And I, I just try to pretend I don't. <laughs> and it doesn't work out that well for me. <laughs> 
Yeah, that would strike me as as not working out. I know I've seen you running when you have you know colds and things and you're not breathing yeah. well. So it's yeah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, it was really challenging in Dallas because we would have those uh, ozone action days, which yeah. really really um, aggravated my asthma. So you know, again, getting back to some some of what this podcast is about, it's about balance. You know, it's okay it, when you're having an ozone action day to do an indoor workout. Like, you know, you don't have to force yourself to do, you know, whatever it is. So that was one thing I learned. And then the other was really the importance of having an accountability partner, which I think we're going to talk a little bit more about, but somebody who can really help encourage you. So, um, so yeah, so that was my worst injury. Um, and so again, I think I've been incredibly fortunate, but it was frustrating. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, the the weird thing is, by the way, when I I broke my leg, I had this weird little voice in my head that just said, don't go outside and play with the kids. Because I was thinking about going for a run, hilariously, at the wow. time. I was in England, and I don't have my bike, so I was running. <laughs> but uh, I, I went ahead and went out and played with the kids, and look where it got me. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, sometimes that voice in your head, like, you should listen to it. I, Always listen to it. Yeah, yeah kind of strange. Anyways, yeah, so let's. I think that's a good segue. Let's talk about some concepts to keep in mind that we've come up with when recovering from an injury. So we have a few of these concepts that we think will be helpful to you if you face this um, (laughs) as you get over 40 and face the potential of maybe more injuries. So the first one is, I, I mentioned it earlier, it's hard, but it's staying positive. So for me, uh, here recently, one thing I kept thinking about was that it could have been worse. Mm-hmm. So in my example, with my injury, I didn't have to have surgery. Um, thank you, United Kingdom Health System. Right. Uh, but uh, so if I'd have had to have had surgery, it would have been worse, right? Like I would have right. had some sort of, I don't know what kind of plate they put in your leg now. It metal, plastic, whatever, but that would have been in my, in my leg. I presume it's not metal anymore. I I really don't know. Who knows? I don't want, I don't want to have surgery unless I absolutely have to. Right. Right. Uh, So, so for me could have been worse, could have been a compound fracture, could have been, uh, actually someone had made the point to me while I was on the trip, we were out, uh, one of my wife's friends made this point to me. We were out, um, somewhere and I was kind of limping around and we saw another, uh, fellow who, who had an injury as well. And he had crutches, but he had a brace on his knee and she was like, well, that would be way worse because those injuries to your tendons, those are going to be harder to heal than your bone. Absolutely. Heals well. So again, um, thinking that it could have been worse. I'm lucky can be a help helpful Mm -hmm. concept in terms of staying positive. Uh, the other thing that I uncovered around staying positive is focusing on, the fact that you can get back to fitness quicker than you think, especially mm. if you've been a previously active person. So mm. this this article had popped in my up in my newsfeed when I got back from the UK, and it was really timely. And I, I wrote about it on the newsletter, practically.fit, by the way. Subscribe at the time. <laughs> and uh, it was an article on muscle memory in the Washington Post. But it looked at a recent research study Um, And the study involved men in their 50s to 70s, and it investigated the effects of um, completing a resistance training regimen, followed by a detraining period, and then a retraining period. And each of those periods was 12 12 weeks. So when this group of uh, men began their resistance training, uh, they gained strength and power. They were doing some kind of knee extension exercise, I guess, as the as the exercise they were measuring. 
they gained 10 to 36% this cohort in terms of strength and power with the resistance training. Then that 12-week period where they didn't work out, they lost 5 to 15%. So 12 weeks was about the exact time that I had off for my injury. So they mm-hmm. lost 5 to 15% in terms of strength and power. But all it took was eight weeks of retraining to reach the post-training level of maximum strength, is what the article said. So that means that after they stopped for 12 weeks, they lost the power and strength. It only took them eight weeks to get back what they had lost, which is actually eight weeks when you think about it to get back the level of fitness that you had lost. That's a really reasonable period and actually less than you would think. So for me, that's another thing to think about in terms of staying positive, especially if you've been an active person, you can get this back. Wow, that is fascinating. And really the five to 15%, I mean, that's even less loss than I would have thought. And the fact that they were able to get it back, it's fascinating because I was talking to a friend actually just earlier today about this, about muscle memory. And she used to be a runner, had stopped running for a while. And then I I wouldn't recommend people do this, but she signed up for a half marathon and hadn't really trained for it. But she said, you know, surprisingly, she was actually able to finish just based on the former training that she had done a while back. And it had to have been that muscle memory of having that level of fitness before, you know, it wasn't as if she had just started from scratch in other words. Yeah. So muscle memory is a real thing. Your muscles are very resilient. And that was the whole point of this research is that people who have been previously active can regain their fitness more quickly if they have a layoff period. So I thought that was a fascinating research article. Um, Absolutely. Let's talk about another concept and that's just this idea of taking the time to rest. Uh, rest is good for you. And this is one I've been thinking a lot about lately. I want to dive into rest maybe on a future podcast. Um, I think it's something I need to incorporate more into my routine. Um, but, and this is in a way staying positive. I think if you do have this extended layoff from an injury, you can view it as an opportunity to reset yourself. You can look Mm -hmm. at it as an opportunity just to relax. Here's a, you know, four week, 10 week, 12 week, 20 week, whatever it is, whatever kind of injury you've had period where you can rest and relax. And that actually can be an opportunity. You can focus on other things in your life. Um, you know, I focused on outside of work, getting this podcast up and running. Right. Right, (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it can be an opportunity to have, have time to rest and recharge. Wow. I have to say, Alex, this is one that I really struggle with. So you have the competitive thing. Rest is really, really hard for me in all ways, you know, all aspects of my life. I'm, I guess, very type A. But after my last marathon, the one that I really slogged through, you know, they tell you to take at least two weeks completely off, one week of just pretty much everything, and then at least two of running. I didn't. And I struggled for weeks and weeks and months after that, because I just didn't give my body the time to rest from that really big effort. So I'm slowly learning the value of rest as well. Yeah. And it's hard for me as well. So I've had to really focus on this one and try to reset my, my mindset around this. Um, and when you're resting, you can really reflect on your fitness routine. Uh, so I did that. I mentioned that kind of last four week period where I could do upper body workouts that made me realize, oh, I need a little bit more balance, like you were talking about earlier in my workouts, because I focus so much on cycling and, mm-hmm. you know, getting my PRs there that, um, right. I, <laughs> you know, I had somebody 
uh, you know, actually comment that I was looking, you know, a little, a little more buff in the upper body. I thought, wow, okay, well, there's a positive coming out of this. So, <laughs> totally. uh, yeah, you can, the rest can be good for you. Take time, think about your fitness routine, do other things in life, view it as an opportunity. Uh, last concept we wanted to talk about was the accountability partner. So this is, yes. this is someone to motivate you if you need motivation in terms of getting to your rehab or in terms of keeping a positive mindset when you can't be active. But it can also be somebody who's telling you to back off if you're trying to come back too fast from injury. Uh, Jen, you mentioned this earlier. Um, what are your thoughts around an accountability partner? Oh, that's so important. Yeah, when I had that long, annoying injury, a really good friend who's still my friend to this day, we'd been running buddies. That's how our relationship started. But she really encouraged me, you know, to keep a, a positive attitude and also to get into cycling. She said, you know, hey, let's sign up for a, a cycling, a, like a road. I don't want to call it a race, but, you know, a ride, a, a scheduled ride. Get, and it gave me something to look forward to. It gave me something to keep me positive. And so that was just really helpful. And, you know, I have great fitness buddies like you, Alex, and others uh, who keep me motivated even to this day. Yeah. And we've been, we've been accountability partners in the past and we've had some of our other friends involved in that. Um, for me this time around, um, my wife was my accountability partner and she's really great about getting me to back off because again, <laughs> like we were talking about taking the time to rest. That's really one that she's gotten me to focus on. Like it's a positive thing. Even here in the past week or so since I was cleared to start re, you know, upping my activities and getting, I can get back. I got really excited because I'm like, I finally get back on a bike. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, I rode the indoor bike one day. I rode it for like eight miles, um, on Zwift and, uh, you know, I was pretty tired, <laughs> which is, it's amazing. I mean, you do lose right. that fitness, right? So, uh, my instinct was, and then my, my leg was really sore the next day. Mm -hmm. So my instinct, my instinct always is if I have a, you know, delayed onset muscle soreness, I will go back out and do whatever it is I just did because that always <laughs> seems to get rid of the soreness for me. It's like, and, right. uh, my wife was like, yeah, you're not, you're not doing that. You're not going to ride. You're no. not going to ride for, so, so like she just said, you're not riding for several days. So I think I rode on Monday on the indoor bike. And then I've just now ridden um, yesterday, which was a Saturday, on my road bike outside. So I took like five days in between, which was, that was her, that voice in the back of my head telling me to be careful because you could, that's the, that's the thing about starting too fast. You could oh, injure yourself. And, you know, the doctor that I had could also tell, I think, that I was like really excited to get back into activity. He kept stressing like, take it slow. Don't. <laughs> yeah. And so I hear these voices in the back of my head and it's, it's been, been really helpful. Um, because it's pretty amazing how, you know, with that type of injury, you'll get muscle soreness or like I, I took the train to work for the first time in months and I have to walk half a mile from the train to the office and my, <laughs> my leg, the rest of the day was just like hurting. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. keep don't. <laughs> so then somebody drove me back home, right? <laughs> like to, keep those voices in the back of your head, find the accountability partner. Again, the opposite. It could be that you're, you know, it, it can be a, a frustrating experience, but to the point where maybe you get really inactive and you're finding yourself, struggling to get back to being active. Oh, so I think that's where yeah. the accountability partner could come in for someone as well and give them a little bit of motivation. Um, or also again, just keeping that positive mindset. It helps to have somebody else who's, who's encouraging you 
throughout the recovery process. So this, this one to me is a, a really important concept um, as you're recovering from injury. Yeah, I think, you know, we started out, you know, sort of gloomy and ended up in a really positive place with this episode. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I think that's the point here. Yes, there is a a higher chance of you getting injured as you age. It's just a fact. So keep that in in the back of your mind. Right. Maybe you can't do everything that you used to do. That's something Mm -hmm. I've been struggling with, (laughs) you know, Uh, whether it comes to playing sports or whatever. Um, So maybe you start to dial back a little bit as you as you get older and you age over 40 and 50, you know, you, you can't do everything, um, to the level that you were when you were 30 or or 20. Um, maybe you need to focus on recovery more. And I think that's something we focus on for, for an upcoming podcast. That's really important. Uh, but then if you do find yourself in this situation, there's some positive ways that you can deal with it. So yeah, not all in all, it started out gloomy, but I think we ended on a positive note. Absolutely. And I I think I'm going to go out for a run after this. All right, there you go. Yeah, and I'm going to go out on a bike ride. So. Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, so thanks for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And please let us know if you have feedback on the content or questions about something that we brought up and maybe didn't touch on fully during the podcast. If you have ideas for topics for us to cover, any of those things, you can send me an email at alex at practically.fit. Uh, another thing that would be really helpful to us, um, if you've listened to the the podcast now, we've got three episodes in this first drop, and then we're going to try to go weekly from here on out. Please review our podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider that will help us grow the listenership. And it would really mean a lot to us if you're enjoying the content. And of course you can subscribe to our newsletter. It's at practically.fit. So just type that into your web browser, practically.fit, and you can subscribe to the newsletter. Um, And we hope you'll join us next week as Jen and I go in-depth on toxic fitness cultures. Yeah, we've been researching this subject, and we're trying to figure out when fitness culture got toxic. And our spoiler alert is that it might go back in time further than you think. But we'll get to that next week. So this one's going to be fun. Definitely join us for that. All right. So thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And don't forget that fitness is for everybody.